Hello, everyone. This is Dovi Shapiro, and today I will be interviewing Rabbi Yosef Levin Shliach, the Palo Alto, California, on the topic of making mistakes. I just want to say thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to share your experiences and help Shluchim have more atzlocha on their Shluchim. You're welcome. I would say it's a pleasure, but when we're talking about mistakes we made, I'm not sure how great of a pleasure that is. <laughs> okay, great. Uh, so before we begin, I would like to thank our sponsors, Fossman Jewelers, Machon Stam, and Leasing Direct. Thank you for making the podcast available to all Shluchim. So let's get right to it. I just think that, uh, that, that, the, that, that if you're going to be close with people and if you're going to help people and if you're going to put your life out to, to be involved, get involved in people's lives, there's no way that you're not going to at some point offend somebody or hurt somebody or do something inadvertently. And the thing to do is to take it. There, there, was, there was once I was having a Fabrengen, and at the Fabrengen, I, I, I was talking, I was open, I had a little Chaim maybe a little more than a little time, and there was a couple that was, um, hadn't come for a while, and they were stopping, not coming to shul, and they were, they, they were actually close to us, but they were kind of drifting away. So I told people, you know, this couple, we haven't seen them for a while, and I want to ask everybody to reach out to them and invite them for Shabbos, and, and I mentioned their name, and it turns out that someone, they found out that I said it, and they were very, very upset, and the parents who were very close to me were very upset. So I pushed it, sat down with the parents, and I apologized to them, and I said, I really care about them, and this and that and the other, and I apologized to this couple. And we, were, we, we remained very close friends. I think the most important thing is to face, to face it and deal with it and, um, and not run away. Um, Judd Landis was a psychologist. I think most people know who he was. I mean, the psychologist was very close to the Rebbe. He, he was the one who, who set me up to come to Palo Alto originally. At least he, he, he met with me and encouraged me to come here. And... Um, once, um, this was actually an important lesson, he was trying to reach me about something, and I didn't want to talk to him, because I knew there was something that wasn't good, and I didn't want to deal with him, and he, he, I knew it would be an hour of listening to his psychological babble. I, it was good. I, he told me a lot of things, but I didn't have koyach for it, or time for it, so I just didn't, I never had time to listen to him. And then one day, he, he was a big guy, Kanaina Hara, and he stormed up to my office. I could hear him coming from a mile away. He says, he says, Rabbi, we got to talk. I said, I'm busy, Judd, I don't have time. He says, I'm sitting down here, and I'm going to talk to you now. He says, I know shluchim. I've met with many shluchim. And one of the biggest mistakes shluchim make is to hide. You may not hide. You can never hide. You must face things directly, and you're going to face me now. And we worked it out. And he taught me that if you make a mistake or something's going wrong, then you really do need to, uh, to face it and deal with it. And from your experience, when we deal with it properly and we deal with it with the humility and, and the, uh, a, a proper apology, there's there success? So. I think so, yes. And, and, but the apology has to be real. Okay, I'll give you another example. There was a woman who was being abused, a couple that used to come here, and, he, and I had no idea, but she was being abused by her husband. And she was always sour, and she was always had the bad mood and everything. But I thought that was just her personality. And then they separated and whatever. And she talked to me, and she said, you know, I came to you a few times and talked. You never asked me what was going on, and you weren't there to help me. And I, I, I met with her, and I apologized to her, and I said, sincerely, I'm sorry I wasn't there for you. I'm sorry I didn't raise the question. You're right. I should have been more sensitive. And I pushed it, apologized to her profusely that I wasn't there for her, even though I didn't know, and she never said anything. But the fact is I wasn't there for her, and I apologized. And we have been very close friends since then. And um, I, once, <laughs> I once made a mistake. Um, she sent me an email 
from somebody that was giving her a really hard time about something. I don't remember what. Some guy was giving her a really hard time about something. Sent me an email. This guy's harassing me, giving me a hard time. So I sent back an so I sent an email to him. I thought this was in the early days of email. And I said to him, you know, give her, give her a break. She's been abused. She was abused by her husband. She just came out of a, an abusive relationship, and she's very sensitive. And you should really understand her and be nicer to her, whatever. She sent me back an email saying, you probably meant to send this to him, not to me, because I had replied to her instead of sending it to him. And that was a boo-boo, but it turned out that it cemented my friendship with her because she saw that I was supporting her. And I'll tell you another email. This is really bad. You have to be very, very careful with emails so there were on the JLI course I was trying to get a, a, a Gvirisha couple to come and these Gvirisha couple were quite they didn't give a lot of money they don't know how to give stucca they, they just don't know how to give but anyway they gave a little bit here and there but not much and, and uh, they asked for a discount for the JLI course and at the same time, there was another Gvir who doesn't give any money who also asked for a discount. So I was a little upset about this. So I sent my wife an email, and I said, look at this email. I forwarded it to her, and I said, look at this email. The Gvirim are the ones who ask for the, who are the cheapest. And then we had a couple of emails back and forth, and somehow the string got back to them. And when we realized that they got this, we didn't know what to do, my wife and I, because we were very close to them. And I called them and apologized and said, Chas v'shalom, it's not you, you're not cheap. And So two mistakes. One is that they got the, the, the email. And the second mistake, the biggest, the bigger mistake, was that I even called them and told them about it. Because they, they didn't know what Gvir was. They wouldn't know what I was talking about. At least she never even probably read the string. So if I would have kept my mouth shut, it would have been okay. But it was okay because I explained to them that it was, I was being harassed by someone else and this and that, and of course they're not cheap, and I outlined all the things they do for people and how wonderful they are and how generous they are. And Baruch Hashem, we overcame it. It was a bit of a rough moment, but we overcame it. So yes, apologizing profusely directly to the person, and not profusely, apologizing directly, sincere apology um, from the heart definitely um, makes sense. And even if it may, we may feel like we're above that, because after all, I'm a shleach, I'm a rabbi, it's not the case. I think if, if someone has been hurt somehow, and if it, isn't your, if it isn't your fault, even more so, a true sincere apology is, is appreciated and accepted. Most of the time. Sometimes not, but most of the time it is. In regards, um, you, you have many shluchim who, are, who, who you've brought out to the area, and I'm, I'm just curious, are there, is, has there been any experiences that you've had or mistakes that have happened that you can share um, that we can learn from? Uh, yeah, the first one is that I hired someone many, many years ago when I was still, uh, um, I think, a little bit uh, uh, inexperienced. And I didn't write out, we didn't have a, we, we agreed what, what he was going to do and everything looked good, but I didn't really have a really good uh, job description for him. It wasn't written out, it wasn't understood, and therefore there were misunderstandings. What I expected of him was not what he thought was expected. And it just didn't work out. And um, it's really, really important to have a very solid job description and to go through a process of interview that is, that is, that is robust and take the time to have the person come out and meet and meet the community and really, really, really make sure that the, the job is exactly what, what you want this person to do. Um, I think another thing is um, uh, to make sure that you're realistic about what your expectations are 
obviously after that I talked to my board about it, wanting to hire someone else and the board told me so what do you want him to do and I said I want him to do X, Y and Z and I gave him a whole list of things I wanted him to do and they said that's way too much for one person to do and I said what do you mean I do all of that they said yeah you're the first guy who came out you're the entrepreneur you could do all that but you can't expect the other person to do that you have to give a narrower job description so the broad job description was not good we had to and we coming up narrow job description each person has his each shliach has his particular thing that he focuses on everybody has to work together and everybody has to help each other but everyone has their particular focus and make it clear what it is that's probably one of the most important things and the biggest mistake that we can make when hiring another shliach is not to have a very clear job description i think Uh, i'm just curious when you're talking about this are you talking about contracts also like in, in, in laying everything out in the contract or you're talking right now specifically about being clear about what the expectations are I don't think the contract is the issue. I think the issue is a contract is a contract. What's a contract? I don't know. Uh, Rabbi Heller once told me, Zwei uh, mentioned Daphne nicht haben kein Contract, and Zwei nicht gemenschen, the contract gar nicht helfen. So what Daphne haben kein Contract, that Zwei mentioned, uh, forget what was, re- what was agreed, then you, have a, then you look at the contract. So the most important thing of the contract is clear expectations. It has to say exactly what is expected of the person. It should also say what success looks like what the head shliach is expecting, how he will measure his success. So, for example, if someone comes out to do shiurim and he spends all his day putting on film with people on the streets and he puts on film with a thousand people, that's a beautiful thing. But if his job is to give shiurim and he's not giving any shiurim because he's too busy putting on film with on the street, then he's not fulfilling his job description. But a, shli- a new shliach coming out from 770 from Kailo would think that spending a th- you know, putting on film with a thousand people is a wonderful thing. And it is a wonderful thing. It's just not what he was hired for. But he wouldn't know that unless it's clearly outlined in writing, and and then and then after that, there should be both of the parties should read it. And if there's a word in there that's ambivalent, they don't understand what it means. To go back and forth, back and forth. My best hire was with a younger man that Pasha questioned every line of the of the job description that I wrote. What does this mean? What does the rector mean? What is who am I responsible to? When do I have to speak to you? When do I not have to speak to you? What kind of things can I do on my own? What, what who's who's responsible for this money? Who's responsible for that money? What happens if I want to make a decision that you disagree with? How do we handle that? All of that has to be written out so that there's a, a clear direction. And then, then if the guy messes up. Then the question is: Is the guy really messing up, or is the or is the hechliach setting him up for failure? And if he's setting him up for failure, then you have to work it out. You have to deal with it. But all this has to be clearly, uh, you know, because if you have the clear expectations, and part of that exercise is for the hechliach to know what he wants. A lot of times, when we want to hire someone, we're not sure and clear. We know we need help, but we're not sure exactly what we want. And sometimes we we have a guy, younger man, that we like. So we hire them and kind of create the job around them, which is also a big mistake. You have to understand what it is that you want and make sure that the guy who's coming is the person for that job as opposed to the job for the person. So going through the exercise and clarifying exactly what I need and being sure that I know what I want and then making sure the person who comes fits the bill and they know what they want and they know what they want to do and they know that this works, that is, uh, that, that is probably most of the way to avoid the problems and then inevitably there are problems but if there are problems you can deal with it you know you can talk to somebody you can sit down with a third party you can work it out together you can take out the, the job description and remind you uh, if the if the head is unhappy with the job description or the the younger is unhappy you sit down you say this is what we agreed to but you know uh, maybe we can change it maybe we can look at that you can talk about it like mentioned but at least you know what you're getting yourself into that's very very important 
um, if you have another moment, just coming back to the to, to the board, because I think this is always a topic that people always ask me about, um, having a board, not having a board, looking back at your shlichus, um, could you imagine getting to where you are today in your community and establishing yourself and having the respect from the community and the support without having a proper advisory board board the way you've set it up? I, I, the answer is that now, right now, whether I have a board or not doesn't make any difference except when I'm applying to, to, for funding from, from, a, um, from a, uh, a foundation. But early on, I think, I think that the, the board was extremely important for many, many reasons. And I'll give you an outline of the few reasons that I think of offhand. Number one, Parshat, you have to be accountable. Every day you get up there, you get up, and you're facing tremendous difficulties, both bechitzonius and bepnimius, and you have to get up and you have to face the day and you have to face the challenges and everything. And if you if you have to meet with the board and tell them what you're doing, then this this helps you be accountable also financially. You can't just go off and spend money and borrow money and go into debt and crazy and go off, you know, because they're going to question it. You know, yes, we have to have. Uh, but and the board helps you keep it that's number one number two uh, um, um, people in the community respect when they see people you have an accountant you have a lawyer you have a, you have balabatim who are, who are you know business people and managers and people on the board uh, you can tell people that another reason to have a board is, is just to help you organize yourself because every every month or every two months or every three months you have to meet with a meeting with a board so you have to organize yourself. Also in terms of ideas, a sounding board, ideas, um, you have come up with an idea. I, I had, um, uh, I think I mentioned before about the situation with, you know, a Pula, how to do it in a way that works in the community, they can see it. Another thing is they speak for you in the community. So you can't always go to someone, to a Balabas, and tell them how great you're doing, but they can. They can say, I'm on the board of this organization, do phenomenal work, and you should meet with a rabbi, and, and, and stuff like that. So this is all very, very important um, in order to have a board, and, and, and I, think it, I think it is very important to do it. Um, you get to a point where you know, you're know you running, but, but even now, I, my board is not that active. I, I wish it was more active because, um, because it has a lot of benefits. I, I know you, you've uh, you ha- you've had a building you had a building campaign a long time ago, and now you have a new building campaign going on. I don't know where it stands, um, but maybe there's something you could share in regards to building campaigns. Maybe there's something off the top of your mind when it comes to building a building. Um, what is the biggest mistake you've made, or something that you've learned from it that you could share with other children? Um, I will tell you what the biggest what I think the biggest mistake is. The biggest mistake is being afraid which is where I'm at right now, actually. I have a $12 million campaign, and I, I don't have any money yet. And I'm, I'm, I mean, I've spent, uh, I've, I have bought some properties and this and that. I mean, I've spent a few million dollars, but for the building itself, I don't have any money. And uh, I'm, I'm, I need to get, find a couple of Balabatim to give some big, big amounts to get started. And it's very hard to do. And um, I have a lot of betachen. It's gonna happen. I know it's gonna happen because I've had many miracles happen before, and this is gonna happen too. I'm not sure where it's coming from yet, but procrastination and and oh, this guy's gonna say no, and this guy's gonna say no. It's it's not just a building campaign. It's any campaign. You know, we we get to the point where we owe money and we don't know where to start, and we think that we're gonna ask people for money. I have a friend who's not Jewish who is a, a business coach, 
and she coaches me from time to time. And, and recently, a while ago, I was going through, I'm still there, but a bit of a financial difficulty and uh, very hard. And I told her, you know, I, I have to ask people for money and, uh, and it's very hard. And she said to me, you're looking at it the wrong way. You need help from people. And you know people love you and want to help you. So you have to ask them to help you. It's just a question of how we look at it in our mind. We have to turn things around. So I think the biggest mistake in a, in a, in a, in a, in a building campaign is not to ask for the money and not to go for it and not to try. Uh, number one. Number two is announcing it a little too early, perhaps. You have to get some backing before you start so that you have, you have to line up a couple of big donations, I think, before you announce it to the community. And that way, when you announce it, you already have credibility because if it schleps out too long, then people, you lose credibility. So that's another thing. Um, beyond that, I think the biggest mistake anyone making a building campaign would make is not speak to a shliach who's already done it, and you don't have to reinvent the wheel and get, uh, get advice. That's the other thing, by the way. We try and figure it out on our own. You know, when we went on a shlichus, there weren't that many shluchim out there. There wasn't a, there wasn't a shluchim office. There wasn't a kinesa shluchim. There wasn't other shluchim had gone through everything. We didn't have that kind of support. Today, if any shliach is fighting on his own to do anything and doesn't reach out to other shluchim for support, I think that's probably one of the biggest mistakes he can make. In terms of pulos, different programs, ideas, um, you know, trying new things on our shluchas, and you know, in every community there's different experiences where you have high numbers and low numbers, and some things that you do are successful, um, some things are very successful. I don't know. There, there's 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 the experience that we have as shluchim up up and ups and downs with our programs. What is your and just being creative and and, and uh, working hard to make our chabad houses as inviting and uh, engaging as possible through the different pools that we do. Anything in regards to that um, from your experiences and, or mistakes that you could share with Shluchim? Okay, yes. The, 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 yes. The, there are a few mistakes and then there's an overriding mistake. The one big mistake is, is, uh, is, is forgetting about being too busy preparing the program and forgetting about two, two things. One is forgetting about the publicity. So we make a wonderful, beautiful program and forget to publicize it properly. And maybe for a few bucks we could spend and get a really nice flyer and maybe take an hour and, um, and, and get on uh, social media and everything. But we're so busy putting together the program that we forget about that. So you have a beautiful program and people don't show up because they didn't hear about it. That's one mistake. The second mistake is being so busy at the program that you don't have time to really meet people. I think that a shliach has to set up a program at, at, as, uh, in the best possible way so that at the program itself, he and she, he and the shlucha, have nothing to do except mill around and talk to people and welcome them. That would be the best thing. So even if it means hiring someone, putting it into the, you know, hiring someone to schlep and to clean and to do that, that's very, very important. And not sleep and, you know, whatever, not to put gas in your car and, 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 and run out of gas on the way to the program, <laughs> stuff like that. I think, though, that the overriding mistake, the biggest mistake, is not to try. So I'm afraid uh, it's going to fail, so I'm not going to try. There is no such thing, I don't think, as running programs without ever failing. Uh, we have run programs where we publicized it, we did everything, and nobody showed up. I had one program we spent, we, we did a speakers bureau, and we had three speakers coming in, and it was an amazing program, and we publicized it and everything. And mamish, five people showed up at each program. We spent who knows how much money. So, you know, what? we learned from that that this is not the way to do it, and we'd find another way. You have to try, and you have to do, and you have to see what works and go with what works. 
There's nothing wrong with that. I have a young shliach who works for me. And, uh, you know, they did some programs, and this one did work, and this one didn't work, and there was one they spent a lot of money, and it didn't work out. And the shluchah said to me, you know, the first time we do things, we're learning, and the next time it'll be, and the next year they did it, and it was the most amazing program. She learned from her mistakes. And this is fine. So in other words, a big mistake is not to be willing to learn from your mistakes. So you have to do and you have to try, but the mistake shouldn't be that you were too busy doing little things and not doing the important things. You really have to prioritize. You have to plan the program. I, I saw a shliach, and I haven't been able myself to do it properly, but I saw a shliach who had a piece of paper for every program he did, which outlined exactly what, who is it for, what's the program going to be, what's the content, what's the everything um, laid out, how much money is going to be spent, and who's doing what, and the volunteers... And it's all written down. I mean, that's, that's already, I don't know how many shluchim can actually do that. But the idea is, at least in your head, you have to understand who's doing what, what the priorities are, and what your best time is there. Can I give you my four criteria for a successful program? Sure. My four criteria for a successful, pro, successful program is, number one, that the program was a quality program, that it was just a nice program and a good program. Number two, that people who came were impressed and would like to come again. Number three, there was toichen. People walked away with some toichen. And number four, there's at least one person who came to the program with whom you make a strong bond, a kesher, that will be a, a primus dicker bond that's going to continue. Those are my four criteria. If you have that, then the program is very successful. How many people come? You know, obviously, you want a program that's, that's another thing. You know, if you set out 100 chairs and you have 90 people in the room, it looks like there's not a lot of people. If you set out 25 chairs and you have 35 people in the room and you have to bring more chairs, wow, look at that. Look how successful. You have to bring more chairs out. So that's another mistake is setting out too many chairs. <laughs> you set out no, it's true. Chairs. Yeah. yeah. Uh, touching but, upon but, what but you again, mentioned this, about... It, yeah, go ahead. Just touching upon what you mentioned about, you know, you try something and we learn from our mistakes. Have you experienced that sometimes be, just because something was done the wrong way, maybe one detail of the way it was done, that when it's changed, that same program done better or tweaked could actually be very successful the next year, but we sometimes give up. We could just say, ah, oh, this doesn't work. Yeah, I mean, I can't tell you any specific, um, I don't know a specific uh, example of that, but um, absolutely, I think that uh, that's okay. This, you know, you know how I would articulate that mistake. I'll tell you how I articulate. I would articulate the, late that mistake by saying that recognizing that it was a problem, considering a failure, and walking away from it. I think that a successful shliach is someone who, after the program that didn't work, sits down and analyzes carefully what didn't work, why didn't it work. And then you have the ability to see, oh, it was this, it was that, it was the other. And as a matter of fact, you might send out a survey, you might talk to people who were there. I know it was a flop. Can you explain to me? Can you tell me what you think about it? Whatever. Being open to listen to criticism. And, you know, that way you could do it. But if you're not willing to, to examine, you know, and, and, and because people are afraid. People are afraid to open up and to see. But if you're not afraid to that and you, you're willing to critically examine it, I think you can you know, pick up and change. I have a good friend who has a sign in his office. A man may fail many times, but he's never a failure until he gives up. Before I ask my last question, I would like to say that Leasing Direct is a leading auto leasing company servicing customers in New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, Pennsylvania, and Florida. When it comes to Shluchim's automobile needs, Leasing Direct goes the extra mile to work with each Shliach 
individual needs and budget, making the new car buying or leasing process completely hassle-free. Call Leasing Direct today at 718-493-0600, and one of their dedicated team members will be happy to assist you. Thank you, Leasing Direct, for sponsoring this week's Shluchim podcast. Yes, yeah, so are um, Rabbi Levin, are there any last thoughts on this topic of making mistakes and how to deal with them um, yes. that you would like my to share with the is, My final thought is don't be afraid of making mistakes. They say nothing ventured, nothing gained. You're going to make mistakes, and mistakes are the path to, the, to doing things right. And if you're afraid of making mistakes, you won't do anything. Don't be afraid of making mistakes. Get out there. Challenge yourself. Do things that you're not sure about. And if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. Try and do it in a way that, uh, that, so for example, if you're planning a program, you're not sure you'll get a lot of people. So there you have a problem. Are you going to get a lot of food? You're not going to get a lot of food. So you buy a lot of food, stick it in the refrigerator so people don't see it. Put out a little bit. And if a lot of people show up, you bring out the food from the refrigerator. Try and set it up so you don't fail. But, but, and the same thing with money and same thing with balabatim and the same thing with everything. It has to be Bekalem de Tikkun. You can't go out there and buy a building that you, you know, for millions of dollars where you don't have millions of dollars and then you're going to fail and lose the building. You can't do that. But you do have to take risks and you do have to get out there and you do have to meet with people and talk to people and not be afraid of failure because we're, we have nothing to fear but fear itself. Think about when you're going to a Balabas and he's going to say no to you. What's the worst thing that will happen? He'll say no, and you'll move on to someone else. The reason you're afraid of being told no is because it's a, pipe. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a slap to our ego. We have to remember what that is. Don't be afraid of making a mistake, and don't be afraid of failure. And if you do make a mistake, move on, learn from it, and move on because it's part of life. Thank you, Rabbi Levin, for sharing with Shluchim about your Hatzlacha and unique approach to making mistakes. We really appreciate your time. You're welcome. This is Dovi Shapiro, and I would like to thank all the Shluchim that continue to give feedback. For all previous podcasts, go to shluchimpodcast.com. It's simple. You create an account. You get approved, um, and you get an email that says that you are approved to have access to the podcast, uh, to, to, to the website, and you can listen to all previous podcasts. Make it a great week.